erase. Amen. We need, we need fire, don't we? That, that song was good. And as he was singing, I was thinking in my own personal walk. God, give me a renewed fire for Jesus. What our world needs to see is someone who lives what they say they believe. And Hot Springs needs to see that out of the body here at Gospel Light. Solitude. I'm going to get my little worship guide out here so I can follow along. And we're going to start out, if you'll notice, in your, in your worship guide, there's, there's three short passages. We certainly won't take long reading the passages, but to get a context to the message, it's important <clears throat> as we look at this subject of solitude that we uh, look at a couple of examples in the Bible where Jesus practiced solitude. And then we'll go through a foundational period this evening where we define solitude scripturally. I'll give you a good definition of what the Bible says about it. And then hopefully, before we leave here, some practical applications for our lives for this discipline called solitude. In Matthew chapter, we'll start in Matthew 14. And this is right after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus and his disciples had just fed... Uh, 5,000 men, the Bible doesn't say how many women and children were there, but in verse 22, immediately after that miracle, what happens? And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there Alone, And then turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 1. And for the sake of context, I think I've got 34 and 35 in your notes, but we're going to go back to verse 32. So Mark 1, 32 says this, And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him, referring to Jesus, all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And so what did he do exactly after all of this healing? Verse 35 says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And then in Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter number 5, we'll start in verse 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad, abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus, Jesus had just healed this man, the Bible says, that was full of leprosy. This man was in bad shape. If you know anything about leprosy, this man probably didn't even have all of his limbs a severe case of leprosy, you'll, you'll begin to see limbs fall off people's bodies. And Jesus healed this man. And, and because of that, the Bible says, crowds of people began to gather around him. But what did he do? Verse 16 says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Here in these passages, we find Jesus healing one of leprosy, casting out devils, preparing to walk on the water in Matthew in the midst of his ministry. And in each example, the Bible says either before or after the miracle, in the middle or after, that he would do something. The Bible says he would take time to withdraw from the multitudes. He would pull himself away from the crowds and the noise and even from his closest followers, the disciples, Jesus would remove himself to do what? To get alone with God. Just him and God. Him and the Father. A time of solitude. So, Brother Butch, what is solitude? What is solitude? Let me 
give you your, your foundational thoughts for your, for your notes there, and then we'll jump into the message tonight. <clears throat> foundational thoughts are this. Spiritual disciplines are things we do to nurture our soul and feed our spirit. Spiritual disciplines are things we do to nurture the inner man, to feed the inner man. Things we do to strengthen ourselves spiritually, to, to grow spiritually. They're, things, they're disciplines just like you would be disciplined if you wanted to lose weight, if you wanted to learn a craft. It takes discipline. You have to invest. I would remind you tonight as a follower of Jesus, as a, as a Christian tonight, we've got to learn to invest in our Christian life. Amen? We've got to learn as Christians to invest, to, to put something in. The problem today is God's people want something for nothing. And we've got to get back church, hey, as believers, at investing into our Christian life. And one of the greatest investments you'll make in your Christian life, hey, listen to me, is when you learn to pull yourself away and get alone with God. Solitude. Spiritual discipline. There are two kinds of disciplines, and this is not the message. I just wanted to, to give you some of these. It would be great maybe for some of the small groups to pull some of these out and study them. First of all, they're disciplines of abstinence. They're spiritual disciplines of abstinence. Some of them include fasting. Haven't heard a lot of preaching about fasting. I know our pastor, I've heard him talk about it before, but it's just not a subject you hear a lot about. But it is scriptural, and it's a spiritual discipline, and it is designed, hey, to bring the physical body into subjection so that the spiritual is emphasized. And there's certainly some recordings of it in the Word of God. We're going to look at one where Jesus fasted. The next one is submission. It's a discipline of abstinence, the, the discipline of submission or surrender. Then there's the discipline of resting. It's a spiritual discipline. We live in a busy society. Some of you live busy lives. Amen? Between family, church, work, we, we live busy lives. And I believe one of the traps of the devil in modern Christianity is people are so busy they forget to spend time with God. I believe that. But the Bible says even God rested on the seventh day. Amen? It's important. It's a spiritual discipline. You've got you to do this stuff on purpose. One of the things I've learned as I've studied spiritual disciplines is, hey, you've got to want this stuff, amen? Hey, church, listen to me tonight. Hey, you've got to want this stuff. You're not going to live a vibrant, dynamic walk with God unless you want it. Don't just happen passively, amen? It's a spiritual discipline. Another one is solitude, and that's the one we're going to look at tonight. There are not only disciplines of abstinence, there are also disciplines of engagement. These are, again, spiritual disciplines. These require activity. These require you and I to engage. There is the Bible study and personal devotions. I would guess that a lot of you in this room tonight have that time. And it's a discipline of engagement. It's not easy. You have to make time. Amen? This is not solitude, by the way. A personal devotion is not necessarily solitude. It can be included, but you'll see solitude goes a little deeper. Another discipline of engagement is prayer. Prayer is work. Real, honest-to-goodness. Hey, if you have a real, honest-to-goodness prayer life, it's work. Hey, it's not easy. When you commune with God in prayer and you do it according to Scripture, hey, it's a discipline. It's something you have to discipline yourself to do. There's the discipline of meditation, which is not just reading God's Word, but it's learning to to focus and dwell on a certain verse or a passage and ask God to give you something out of it. It's, it's meditating on God's Word. It's thinking about God's Word. And I tell my small group all the time, I think you're a lot better meditating on a few verses than you are reading three chapters. Learn to meditate on God's Word. And then the other discipline of engagement I have on your notes is worship. And... That includes corporate worship. We have to discipline ourselves. We have to make the decision. I'm going. I'm going to discipline myself to be in corporate worship. And so these are disciplines. Tonight we want to focus on solitude. Solitude. The three results 
of the discipline of solitude. In these verses I just mentioned, we find Jesus withdrawing himself at times to be with the Father. The first result of the discipline of solitude is you gain, and this is in your notes, you gain spiritual power to keep going when you get tired or even when you want to quit. Let me say that again. You gain, what is the result of solitude, of spending time alone with God, Brother Butch? Well, number one, you gain spiritual power to keep going when you get tired or even want to quit. In our scripture references tonight, the few verses we looked at, Jesus was extremely busy. If you listen to those verses, he was healing people. He was feeding thousands. He was conducting his ministry. He was about the Father's business, healing the lepers, hey, healing the demon-possessed. We know of blind Bartimaeus. We know of the nobleman's son, the water into wine. The list goes on and on as Jesus conducted his Father's business on his way to Calvary. And in almost every situation, if you study the ministry of Christ, you will find a passage in almost every one of those stories where during that busyness, Jesus would stop and he would withdraw from the crowd and the noise. He would withdraw even from his disciples and do what? He would get alone with the Father. That's what solitude is. Time with God. So let me ask you a question tonight before we get too deep into the message. How much alone time with God do you have right now? You see, one of the things I've discovered in my own personal life, this stuff, it's hard to find time at times. We live busy lives. How much alone time did you spend with God last week? We need to examine our life and, and ask ourselves that question. Jesus being in the flesh when he was here on earth, hey, had the same frailties that we have. He would get tired. Amen. He would get hungry. The Bible tells us he would get thirsty. And even though he was always God, he would still discipline himself to do what? To pull away from the busyness, to pull away from the, from the crowds, to pull away from the ministry, to do what? To spend time with his Father. As I studied this, one of the, one of the things I realized is, think about it, for Jesus... This took great discipline. The Bible says in Luke there that after he healed the leper, a whole crowd gathered around him that were sick, that were diseased, people that had needs. The Bible says every time Jesus was around the multitudes, he did what? He was moved with what, church? He was moved with compassion. These people gathered around him and and no doubt he was moved with compassion. I hope you see where I'm going with this. It took great discipline for Jesus to stop and say, No, I must go be with my Father. No doubt he was tempted just to stay there and heal everybody. Amen? But he didn't. He said, I must go be with my Father. After he healed the leper with, with great multitudes coming to him, he stopped and said, I must go be with my Father. So tonight I'm saying this, you gain spiritual power when you learn to spend time with God. You see, Jesus understood, church, it was going to take spiritual power to accomplish His mission. Amen? It was something that He knew. He knew that He would have to spend time with the Father even though He was God. He was in the flesh and He knew that time with God alone would drive Him to Calvary and enable Him to accomplish the mission of redemption. This was not a fleshly mission. This was a spiritual mission that Jesus was on. And I would remind you, church, tonight, you and I are on a spiritual mission for God. And you're not going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in the flesh. It's a spiritual mission. And you need spiritual power. And I need spiritual power. I need anointed spiritual power to walk the path God wants me to walk. I need spiritual power to go where God wants me to go. God equip me and God will equip me and enable me to meet the mission He has for my life. And I believe one of the keys for me, hey, meeting that 
is for me to learn to stop and spend time with my Father. So my first thought, it's not even in your notes. I wish I would have remembered to put it in there. As I thought about Jesus healing these people and his love for people and yet still pulling away to go be alone with the Father, my first thought is this. Service will never take the place of solitude. Service will never take the place of solitude. I would, I would jot that down. Hey, activity, activity will never take the place of alone time with God. I've never seen a time in our society where some churches have so much activity and so little power. Something's wrong. Could it be today that the average church, and I'm certainly not speaking of just gospel-like, the average church, and by the way, we're the church, amen? Church is not this building. You and I are the church. But that the average Christian is trying to live off service? Could it be that the average Christian tonight is trying to live off activity and service? And if we do that, we won't make it. Service will never take the place of solitude. The reason why Jesus would pull away is because he knew that power came from the Father. Listen to me. Activity can be done in the flesh. You can serve God in the flesh, but spiritual power only comes from God. It's the only place it comes from. Hey, if you try to do it in the flesh, you listen to me tonight, it won't last. You can do it in the flesh. Some of you are with me tonight. You can think of times when you were just serving God out of convenience. You were just serving God. You're like me. Once I got saved at a young age and, and we just went to church. Hey, we went out of convenience. I just went because I knew it's what we did. And I'm not unthankful for that. But there's more to it than that, church. God help us to get to a point in our Christian life when we don't serve God out of convenience or because it's something we've always done, but we serve Him because we spent time alone with Him and it drove us into a deeper relationship with Him. And it does not matter if it's Sunday or Monday. Our relationship with God is intense. When you pull away from all distractions, solitude is more than just Getting with God, it's pulling away from distractions. The devil will use distractions to keep you away from God. Amen? And at the time, the multitudes were a distraction to Jesus. He loved them. He healed many of them. He raised some of them from the dead. But it was not more important than him spending time with his father. Anything that keeps you away from God is a distraction. So what is it tonight? I think about the lives we live in modern day Christianity and the distractions that tend to pull us away from God. I think about the technology driven society we live in and I love it. I mean, I've learned how to use an iPhone. I've got a laptop. I've got an iPad. I've got the technology, technology advances that have been a blessing in so many ways, but when you add those things to a life where you have children and a job and, and commitments at church, hey, you can wake up one day and wonder, why am I spiritually dry? Why am I empty inside? God, I'm so busy. And it's because, listen, busyness will not replace solitude with God. We need alone time with God. We need alone time with our Savior. It's the time we have one-on-one -on -one with God. Hey, to be intimate with Him, to love Him, to share our burdens with Him, you'll tell things, God, in solitude that you won't tell anything anywhere else. We need it. We need it. It's where we learn to live in His strength and in His power and not our own. Jesus would pull away. He would get alone with the Father and He would gain renewed strength. And I know He was God, but it seems always after He left that moment of solitude, another great miracle would be performed. Another great event would happen. It seemed like it was a time of refreshing, a time of renewal, a time of, of great power would be given to God the Son. Solitude. Listen, hey, this is in your notes. 
gives you the ability to endure in His strength and not your own. Hey, you've got to live the Christian life in His strength. Amen? You've got to learn to live the spiritual Christian life in the strength of God Almighty. You won't make it if you try to do it in the flesh. You can do it, but it won't last. It has to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And yes, you can feel the presence of God in a corporate worship service, but nothing replaces alone time with God. And we got people in our church body that are faithful to church, they give, they're in small group, and they wonder what's missing from their life. There's still something missing, Brother Butch. Could it be that you're not spending any time with the one who saved you, the one you're serving, the one you're worshiping, the one you're giving to? Could it be that we have people, even in our church body, that are busy, that are faithful, that are going to small group, but something's missing because they're not spending time with the God who they're serving? Alone time with God. It's where Jesus gained power. There's been times in my life where it seemed like power was missing. There's been times in my life when I was struggling with spiritual power. I was burning out. I was in a rut. I didn't know what was wrong. And I would wake up and I would stop and realize, man, it's been a long time since it was just me and God. We need it, church. Our church body needs it. In Luke chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but we find Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible says he was tempted of the devil. The Bible says the devil tempted him. And my first thought on that is this, if the devil will tempt Jesus, he'll come after you and me. Don't ever think you get so spiritual to a point that you're off limits to the devil. The devil will come after you. The Bible says the devil, with a relentless pursuit, began to come after Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus had fasted, the Bible said, for 40 days. He was in the flesh. No doubt he was hungry. No doubt Jesus in the physical body was hungry. And the devil said this to him, If thou be the Son of God, Jesus, if you're really who you say you are, then command this stone to be made bread. He knew Jesus was hungry, amen. The devil knows exactly what to tempt you with. He knows exactly your weak spot. He knows your, hey, he knows your thorn in the flesh. He knows where to attack, amen? Jesus, no doubt being hungry, he said, make this stone be bread if you're really the son of God. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You see, Jesus had been in solitude for 40 days fasting, getting close to the Father. What are you saying, Brother Butch? I'm saying Jesus was prepared for the temptation. The reason why God's people fall so many times is when the devil comes, we're not ready. We've lived our Christian life passively. We've gone through the motions. We do our thing. And when the temptations come, when the trials come, we're not prepared. I'm telling you, there's something to this. The Bible says before Jesus went into the wilderness, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. You see, if we had learned to get alone with God and get spiritual power in our life and get filled with the Spirit of God, oh, the devil's still going to come after you, but you'll have a much better chance at defeating him. You're not going to make it in your own strength. He'll get you every time. And I can testify. Can some of y'all? No, it's got to be done in God's power. It's got to be done in God's strength. And the devil tempted Jesus, but Jesus overcame the temptation because he was prepared, because he was full of the Holy Ghost. If you're going to overcome, then you've got to get along with God. I believe your next point, solitude will give you the power to overcome things you would never overcome without God. God tells us that once we're saved, we're to live the life of an overcomer. Amen? It's in Scripture. We're supposed to be overcomers. The same trials and tribulations that defeat the lost and dying world 
should not have the same effect on us. Hey, we should react differently to trials than the lost man does. Hey, we should react differently. Hey, when the, when the temptations come, we should be overcomers. But if we're going to do that, we've got to have the power of God on our life. We've got to have spiritual food, spiritual health, spiritual sustenance that comes from a long time with the Father. If we're going to overcome the temptations of this life, if we're going to overcome like I've had to overcome the pain of a son that's dealing with addiction, if we're going to overcome that, I've had to learn. I've got to get along with God. I'm not going to overcome this pain in my own strength, in my own wisdom. Amen? I need God. I've learned to pull away at times and pray for my son. I've learned to pull away from times. And in just me and God, hey, spill my heart out to God and ask for renewed power and renewed strength and God for wisdom to help me deal with my son. Because I can't do this in my strength. And I can't do it in corporate worship. You see, some of this stuff comes from a long time with God. Some of you got a past you're ashamed of. The only way you're going to overcome your past is when you learn to gain spiritual power through a long time with God. I think about the Apostle Paul who executed Christians who hated Jesus. When he was named Saul, he hated the church. And yet God saved him on that road, struck him down with a blinded light. And the Bible says, and you don't hear this often, but in Galatians, the Bible tells us that after Paul was converted, before he began his ministry that was so fruitful, a man that hated God wound up writing several books in the Word of God. But before he did that, the Bible says, he spent three years in Arabia studying the Scriptures alone with God. Why? I think Paul realized, man, with everything I've done bad, i got to get alone with the Father before I preach to anybody. God, i got to get alone with you, Lord. I, I can't do this, God. They will mock me. They will remember my past, God. I can't do this, God. And the Bible says he spent three years with God. The average Christian today probably doesn't spend 30 minutes with God. We need a long time with God. I know Christians who have a past that is decimated with failure and scarred with sin. And they seem to struggle getting past that. And my advice to them is you need to spend a long time with God. He's the only one that can get you over that. We're not going to do it in our own power. It'll only be done in a life filled with the Holy Spirit power given to us by God in times of solitude. 2 Corinthians 12, 19 says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and under the uttermost parts of the earth after the Holy Ghost has come upon you is when you get power. Matthew 28.18, All power is given unto me. Jesus says, All power is given unto me. If you're going to get any power, it's got to come from God. You're not going to get it from man. Amen? You're not going to get it from work. You're not going to get it from a career. You're not even going to get it from a song service. Hey, listen to me tonight. If you're going to get spiritual power that is needed to walk in the Spirit of God, it's going to come because you are disciplined enough to know, hey, I need a long time with God. I need time with Jesus, just me and Him. God, give us your power. Show us your glory, as the song says. Show us that. God, give us the discipline. Give me the discipline, God, to spend time alone with you. Oh, there's power in Arabia. 
There's power for men like Moses when he would go to Mount Sinai to meet with God, one of the greatest leaders that ever lived for God. God, uh, The Bible tells us in Exodus many times Moses would just go to Mount Sinai by himself. Elijah would go to Mount Carmel. Moses, Mount Sinai. Jesus to the wilderness. Paul to Arabia. The example God gives us is that we need to be alone with God from time to time. There's a time for service. There's a time for worship. There's a time for singing. Amen. But there needs to be a time where it's just you and God. That's where you'll gain power. If spiritual power is missing in your life tonight, you may need to ask yourself, when is the last time that I spent time with my Savior? Just me and Him. Just me and Him. Your second point tonight, what's another product of solitude number two you can gain clear direction from god and wisdom to make important decisions clear direction a blessing of solitude the alone time you spend with god is he will give you direction and guidance and wisdom and boy we all need that amen we need that in our life In Luke chapter 6, I'll read it, verses 12 and 13. Jesus here is preparing to choose his disciples. This was a big decision. This was a big deal. He's getting ready to pick out 12 disciples that will be his closest followers. So what does he do? In Luke 6, 12, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him to his disciples, and one of them he chose, and of them he chose twelve. And then it goes on to name the twelve disciples. And I know some of you are thinking, well, one of those disciples he chose was Judas, who betrayed him. Yeah, but I got news for you, church. That's not on Jesus. That's on Judas. Amen? Hey, this is not the message, but when we mess up, that's on us. That's not on God. And that's what happened there. I believe with all my heart, Jesus' intention for Judas was that he would serve him purely. And it just didn't happen. The Bible says Jesus went out on a mountain the night before he chose his disciples. And he did what? He continued in prayer all night. You see, that's a level of spirituality I know nothing of. Amen. I've never prayed all night. There's been times in my office when I was pastoring that I would get on my knees and When I would get up, I had been there an hour. One time, a couple of hours when I was burdened. But Jesus prayed all night for wisdom. God, I'm fixing to choose 12 men that will walk with me. And before I do that, I'm going to get along with you all night. Need to make decisions. Some of you need to make decisions right now. Some of you are thinking about a big decision in your life. Some of you are thinking right now about a decision that needs to be made. And I would encourage you to get alone with God. Just you and God. There's nothing wrong with counsel. There's nothing wrong with the pastor counseling you, giving you advice. But I would encourage you, church, if you have a big decision, and when you have one, and you will, to get alone with Him. I believe Jesus decided, hey, this needs to be covered in prayer. Hey, I need to spend time with God alone before I make this decision. You will make better decisions when you learn to get God on it. You'll make better decisions when you learn to get God's perspective. We get in trouble when we make hasty decisions. Amen? I thought about some of the decisions of the Bible. I think about Joseph and Mary. Mary came to Joseph, Jesus' earthly parents. He said, I'm pregnant. And the Bible says in the beginning that Joseph was kind of in shock. Matter of fact, the Bible says he minded to put her away privily. But I love this little passage in that chapter that says this. It says he minded to put her away privily. No doubt he was ashamed. He thought no doubt there was a strong chance that she had been with another man. But he said this. It says after he minded to put her away privily, it says, but while he thought on these things. Hey, there's something to be said for thinking things through. Amen? 
There's something to be said for stopping and withdrawing, getting alone with God. And the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, everything's fine. She's been with God. And that child she will have will be Jesus. She's been overshadowed with the Holy Ghost. Well, I bet Joseph thought, wow, I'm glad I didn't make any rash decisions. Some of you have decisions to make. You have things coming up in your life. I would encourage you to be patient, to be along with God, to, to think things through. There's good lessons in that. Over and over in the Bible, we see examples of those that communed with God before making major decisions. Elijah had been run out of there by Jezebel after calling fire down from heaven. The Bible says she ran him out, man. What did he do? The Bible says he got in a cave. He got alone in a cave. And said, God, what am I going to do now? He had a decision to make. Was he going to run after he had called fire down from heaven and destroyed the prophets of Baal? Was he going to run? God, what do I do? I'm scared. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. You ever been there? And it wasn't in the lightning. It wasn't in the thunder. But the Bible says in that cave, a still, small voice came to Elijah. It was in the quietness of the voice of God that Elijah regained power. It was just him and God in that cave. In your notes, there's two bullet points under number two. There are times when God discloses His will only in private. There are times He'll only disclose His will in private. And if you're not having private time with God, you're not going to get direction. You see, God chooses when and where to reveal to you His will. And many times Scripture teaches it's in solitude that he does that. And if we don't have solitude with God, we're going to miss out. The second bullet point is this. Sometimes God speaks softly. And if you are distracted in any way, you may not hear him. We live in a society of distractions. And it's so easy to be distracted from what God wants to, when God wants to speak to us. Hey, some of you, you know what you need to do? You need to go home tonight, turn the TV off, turn your phones off, pull away from your kids, and get alone with God. Maybe it's been a while since you've done that. Because if you're not careful, you'll be like me. And you'll be void. You'll be serving. Hey, I'm not talking about now. You'll be serving. You'll be busy. And you'll wonder, what's wrong, God? And that still small voice will hit you between the eyes and say, it's been a while since we spent time together. Folks, we need this thing of solitude. It's not a popular subject today, but we need this. We need it for power and we need it for direction. There's people in here tonight that are looking for answers. Go to God. Pull away from the distractions, the noise, and go to God. Spend time alone with God. Number three, number three is this. Solitude will take you to a place of willing sacrifice and submission. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 26, I'll read just a few verses. In Matthew 26, we find Jesus making his way to Calvary. It's crunch time. Jesus is fixing to pay for your sin and for my sin. The heat's on. The pressure's on. Jesus is fixing to die for my sin. What does he do? The Bible says in verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, What does he say to the disciples as he heads to Calvary, as he heads to redeem you and redeem me, What does he say to his followers? Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. 
And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and Johnny. He told the rest of them, Hey guys, you stay here. Me and Peter and James and John, we're going to go a little farther. And the Bible says, And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. We forget that when Jesus made his way to Golgotha, hey, he began to get sorrowful and heavy. The pressure was on. Verse 38 says, Then he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He told the other three, You guys stop. Just stop and pray for me. And then in verse 39, I love this. It says, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thine. Jesus went a little farther with God. Jesus went a little farther that night with God at Gethsemane. Hey, There's too many of God's people today. You know what? You know what's missing in your life? You know what's wrong in your life? You know you're saved. You're active in church. You're a giver. You're in small group. You're hooked up. But it's time for you to go a little farther with God. God expects us to grow, church. He expects us to be perfected and mature and become like Jesus. And there's too many Christians tonight that are stagnant, that are in a rut that are not growing. And it's because, listen to me, God wants to take you to a place of sacrifice. That's what the Christian life ultimately is. It's a place where you and I surrender to God just like Jesus did at Gethsemane. But you're not going to get to a place of sacrifice until you come to a place of surrender. You're not going to make it to Calvary unless you go through Gethsemane. Jesus in Gethsemane surrendered to the Father. He surrendered to God. He said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And it wasn't because Jesus didn't want to die for our sin. It's because everything he stood for, sin stood against. He didn't want to drink that bitter cup if there was another way. But he said, nevertheless, God, not my will, but thy will. Some of y'all, it's been a long time since you can honestly say you've experienced spiritual growth. God wants to take you a little farther. I like it. I like it when Jesus said he went a little farther alone, just him and God, to a place of sacrifice. I believe there are a lot of God's people here at Gospel Light. I know what kind of preaching you've been under all these years. And you wonder what's wrong. And I believe you've been here long enough to where God's saying, hey, you're not going to be satisfied anymore until you get over here. It's time for you to sacrifice. But you're not going to do it until you go through Gethsemane, until you surrender. It's time for some people just to surrender to God. I've had to do it myself. There's areas of our life it's not easy to do. I mentioned my son. I'll finish up with an illustration tonight. I mentioned my son. And y'all pray for him. He's halfway through his drug rehab. and He's clean. For the first time in six years, he has no drugs in his system. Hallelujah. It's not going to be easy. But back on December the 3rd, his wife and my two grandbabies who were living with us left and went back to Mississippi, and I encouraged them to. At the time, Garrett was not doing well. Matter of fact, we didn't even know where he was. It was a hard week. We didn't know where our son was, and my two little precious grandbabies that had lived with me for three years left. They moved to Florida, Mississippi. She moved in with her mother's ex-husband who's a nice guy and they're in a safe environment but on Thursday December the 4th I was coming through there and I called her I said I'd like to stop and see the babies these are my babies but I couldn't my heart broke for my grandbabies 
My heart broke. I couldn't go. I thought about their lives and the shape their dad was in. I thought about Callie having no support. Two precious kids. I thought about the suffering, the scars in our family. And I couldn't go. So I just kept driving. And I spent about four hours in solitude with God. Turned the radio off. It's just me and God. Several hours. And that's one of the first times in my life I came to Gethsemane. And I gave God my son. And I gave God my grandbabies. And God reminded me in that moment of solitude, hey, I began to worry, God, about the safety of my grandchildren. The one thing God that they had here is I knew they were safe. And God reminded me in that car, I can take care of your grandchildren. I said, Lord, I don't even know where my son is today. And God said, hey, son, I know where he is. I went through Gethsemane and I sacrificed. and said, God, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. And God taught me that day in that car, in my moment of solitude, that i got to go through Gethsemane before I can really sacrifice, just like Jesus. Some of you in this room tonight, you wonder what's wrong. And what is wrong is you've been active, you've been faithful, you've been under the preaching of the Word of God, but it's time for you to go a little farther with God. Ultimately, God says we're to lose our life for His sake. We're just holding on to some stuff. God says, let it go. Come to a place of sacrifice, and you will be the most fulfilled you've ever been. You will get to a point to where you will live and learn to walk in the Spirit of God. The Bible says after we're saved, it's spiritual warfare between the flesh and spirit. And the average Christian today just loses that battle every day. Every day because they're not going through Gethsemane. What about it? Is there still something missing? Hey, is there still something in your life? Maybe God just wants you to go a little bit farther with Him. Maybe it's time to go to that place of sacrifice and to do it. You know you've got to go to that place of surrender. Maybe if you're here tonight, you'd be honest and say, Preacher, the fact of the matter is, is I don't have solitude. It's been a long time since it's just me and God. I, I go to small group. I have a time of prayer. But I can't remember the last time it's just me and God. Hey, you need to find you a Mount Carmel. It might be your car, your office, your closet. You need to find you an Arabia. Hey, you need to find you a Mount Sinai where you get away from TV and you get away from your phones and your computers. Hey, you turn a, you get away from that stuff. God, help us today. We wonder what's wrong. And we watch a lot more television than we spend time with God. And say, God, hey, I know I live a busy life. And God knows that. But God, from this moment forward, I'm going to come down and I'm going to designate some time with you every week. It may be an hour in my Arabia or 30 minutes in my Mount Carmel, but God, I'm going to have some alone time with you. Moving forward, that's, that's just the way it's going to be. Hey, you've got to want this stuff. If that's you tonight, I pray you'll come. I know I need it in my life. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you were honest. You'd say, you know what, Brother Butch, I need to go a little farther with God. I've been in where I'm at a long time. It's time for me to move to another level of Christian living. And I'm ready to go through surrender so I can get to sacrifice. God wants to make us like Him. And to do that, you're going to have to surrender. Maybe you just want to come tonight and say, Lord, help me to surrender. If you're here tonight and you're lost, this message was to save, but if you're lost, I want you to know that place of surrender applies to you too. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, the way you get saved is very simple. You come and you surrender yourself to God. The Bible says you repent. You recognize you're a sinner. You repent of your sin. 
and you surrender to Him and He'll save you. Whatever your need, if you have this lack of solitude with God, if you are looking for more spiritual power, if you need to get to this realm of sacrifice, I pray you'll come tonight and talk to your Father. More importantly, I pray you'll find time this week alone to pray with your Father. Let's all stand. Father, we love you tonight. We're thankful for your word. I'm thankful that Jesus gives us an example of someone who had great power, yet demonstrates to us the necessity of withdrawing from noise, from crowds, even from loved ones, to be alone with the Father. I believe there's people in this room that need to go to a place of sacrifice. And to do that, they've got to go through Gethsemane. They've got to go through a place of surrender. I believe there's some tonight looking for spiritual power. It'll only come from you, God, and sometimes it only comes in solitude. God, help us to find this thing of solitude tonight and commit to it to do it with great passion, to meet with the Father with great passion. God, we need to be alone with you at times. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. tonight come we humbly please you need to come and just say lord help me to go to a place we of sacrifice we long god i want to move to a new realm of christian living oh lamb of god come tonight we come to you as we sing please come oh lord we come to you Oh, Lord, we come to you. Your name is righteous. Your word is true. We believe in and we come to you. You are the way, the truth, the life. Great Redeemer of all.